Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 176, Chi, Aliens and Jesus with Roland Hofer, mystic ET contact researcher, Jesuit trained religious scholar. Join the team as we discover if Jesus may truly be an ET. Well met and welcome. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, I'm quite thrilled to be here. It's my first time in an English show. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. It was my mistake that, that we uh, started later because, yeah, uh, computer and me. I say I'm good in a computer and always I prove myself wrong. So, I like to. We forgive you. Don't worry. A Jesus motif. So, um, this is episode 176, and something we do on this podcast is correlate that to the major arcana of the tarot as well as Raphael telling us what um, Galactic Heritage card it is. So 176 is going to reduce to 14, which is 5, which in this case is the Hierophant card. Uh, it says, I am the teacher of universal law. The Hierophant, or the masculine form of, uh, of the High Priestess, which is the High Priest, is about caretaker of spiritual knowledge, teaching others what you know, awakening to greater understanding of the world, paying attention to the details. Raphael, what is the Galactic Heritage card? Well... I would say observe. In this case, I would say listen. To me, at least, it is always amazing how incredibly well, numerologically, even through reduction and so on, these cards fit together, even though it's technically a different system. So we got the Galactic Heritage cards, number 68, Lyra, generosity, future timeline. An ancient challenge of the Lyrans was to have a genuine, a generous spirit. They had a fear that if they gave to others, they would not have enough for themselves. Eventually, they healed this pattern. Humans are now facing the same challenge as they explore the issue of generosity. Most people have no problem being generous when they feel safe and secure. But can you be generous when you feel insecure? Examine your patterns of generosity honestly. Are you afraid to give or do you have resistance about receiving? Balance lies in being able to give and receive equally. That is a true path of transformation. So out of curiosity, Roland, did either of those cards resonate with you? Well, the path of uh, ascension, I call it, is that something I, I like? Either I'm not so much into Roland, not so much into cards. The only thing I, I like to ask sometimes is the I Ching. That's an oracle I, I frequently ask. I like it very much. I'm not familiar with cards and tarot. That's not really something I'm into. But it sounds good. I mean, I've nothing against it. I actually pull an I Ching card every morning as well. So I feel you. It's uh, Terence McKenna. I'm not sure if you're familiar with who he is. Was correlating um, the I Ching to the codons of the human DNA. And there's a system called Gene Keys, which does the same thing and extrapolates from that point. Very interesting. No, I'm not familiar with it. I, I came to it from another angle, theological angle. For me, chi uh, as an energy, which I think they, they work uh, with the chi energy when they w work with the oracle, is like the Holy Spirit to me. And I found it very interesting. Yeah, genetic code. Yeah, you have 64 uh, numbers in the I Ching. So that's a binary code, of course. 
uh, a genetic code. I think that's they have four. You have four genetic letters and sixty-four pictures in the Ching. I don't see a correlation in that. Well, but so maybe the, the AT and GC are the four you're talking about, um, and those are pairing. I'm not a geneticist. I can't really describe this, but there's sixty-four codons in the human DNA sequence. Oh, are there? Okay, I don't know that. So if that's yes, yes. so, yes, why not? Uh, this is one more thing where I see there are many miracles in numerology. I'm not so maybe Raphael, you're better in numerology. It's not not one of my thing, fields, but I discover again and again uh, marvelous connections, which are even the Hebrew alphabet is actually uh, numerology because the, the they have no they have no numbers there, so they use the alphabet as numbers. So the whole Hebrew Bible is actually a collection of numbers, you know, and there are many people who taking any kind of Bible code and whatever. But so far, I, I never found the real clue to say, yeah, this is something I can count on. Maybe it's because of this, this timeline thing connected to decision. So if you have numerology and you have this and this possibility, and then you make a decision, and you put the whole earth on another timeline and the whole thing goes uh, drops out again and you start all over again so i'm not really i'm not really sure i'm very uh, i'm defender of of free decision and uh, i see those always as as possibilities everything for me is a possibility so i don't say that this is fixed because i have the number i don't know i have the number one or seven. I have every number. There is a, there is also a, a Tyrolean circle where you have seven, and I have all yeah, the numbers. Yeah, there's even an Austrian number circle. That's that's yeah. completely right. As uh, I am always reminded, our friend Sam likes to say, even astrology and so on is always descriptive, never prescriptive. So just yeah. a description of a possibility, just like you mentioned. And just to stay on topic for a second, anyone who is interested in playing around with numbers can go to gematrix.org gematrix.org and there you can enter any type of words and get like tons of numerological calculations also this of course can be taken to the extreme but it's pretty interesting if one looks at all the entries and how they sum up within that numerological system of course and um, just so i can get the point straight uh, what you mentioned in terms of making a new decision we're talking about the numbers then changing or we're just talking about the idea that these things shouldn't be taken as if as to give my power away to make a choice basically second second point i i always right. in power but i like it as you say when when these things add up and you find a picture of what you did in the numerology or in the symbology or even in astrology I, what i believe mostly in is is that astrology has an influence in us but again, I can decide against it, you know. Uh, I, made, I made decisions in my life I'm not proud of, and I clearly had the calling, uh, and even my aliens or angels or whatever they are, um, I'm not so sure anymore, <laughs> those days I called them angels, told me to do so. And I refused to, because I was afraid. Yeah. The biggest changer in, in human life is either braveness or, or being afraid or fear. Uh, so I was I was afraid because the others were there and they don't they don't know they know me and what what will they say? So I didn't do it. I should rest in spirit those days. 
and I had to I had to bear the consequences. You know, those people know better than we. Those in the higher dimensions know better than us what's best to do for you. That's why we usually follow them. But I was so afraid I didn't, and I had to face the consequence that for years they didn't believe in my spiritual powers. You know, so that's what happens when you don't listen to them. But still, I had the free decision not to do so, and I did. You know, you're not forced. There's no. I, my experience is there's no force um, in the spiritual world, but there is, and doesn't matter if you take it by numbers or by astrology or by pictures. There are certain pathways better for you than others. You know, and there are certain helpers in higher dimensions telling you. This way is a good way, for sure, you know, and usually they are right. Not always, uh, not always, but usually they are right. <laughs> well, it they, seems like there's a path for everything, and it gets down to, like, what do you prefer or what would you like to, to experience? So, I mean, if you want to learn the hardware, there's a path for that. If you want a quick route, there's a path for yeah. that, and then we're in between. Yeah, that's a good point, uh, because uh, I should down the telephone. That's a good point because I believe that the whole earth and this ascension theme is connected to the, to the questions, are we ready? What are with these people who are not ready? Or if you want to, if Jesus comes, Jesus came to, to help us with the ascension. But many people are not ready on our planet. And when we talk about ascension today and about the timeline that uh, we will ascend since 2016, we always hear that the ascension is coming. I mean, I hear that from, I don't know what your level is, but I hear it from Asher and Adin since 2016. And I'm kind of waiting, and the world's still turning around, if the world is a is really a ball. I believe the world is a ball, many people. Many people I'm like saying, even here's, even here's the argument whether the earth is moving or the thing around us is moving. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, something is moving. I'm in a classical version. For me, the Earth is a ball, and we are moving, and the universe is stable. I'm not a flat earther. I'm fighting against flat earth. But there are so many flat earthers around. It's it's really it's a funny. Story. And they tend to take uh, the Old Testament as kind of a proof text for it, which has always compelled me. I mean, I've looked into it. I don't personally. I'm not a flat earther, but I've always found it's funny that you get people using the Bible to defend flat yeah, earth and, kind yeah, of I'll, concepts. I'll, I'll reiterate the point right here. So as soon as we got the appropriate candidates, I would love for, uh, I was about to say civilized, <laughs> but um, how should I say, a compassionate uh, sharing of perspectives on these topics with individuals, because I don't really take a side on this. Um, but worst case scenario, really I'm wrong. Appreciate There's nice wall. We don't know shit. <laughs> you know, worst case. I'm like, oh my God. But um, okay, so Roland, I'm kind of curious, first of all, how you and Raphael know each other. So maybe start there. Oh, it was the last. I, I made um, I made uh, a show here on Okie Talk about a month ago, maybe a few weeks, about UFOs in the Middle Ages, uh, and he was there and he invited me. I mean, I think I think Klaus told me months ago about it, but I'm not so. I have so many other things to do, and so many uh, so that I'm I'm not here. There are people on this radio every day. And I, and I like it because you're sure that you have a listener on your shows for every time because somebody is always here. But I myself... Even the know, angels or aliens. You're the alien. Uh, no, I, now I'm, I'm speaking about human beings. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, maybe, who knows? The listeners to Okito could be angels too. You, you never know. <laughs> um, 
there we are all aliens i mean in my opinion the whole world is is um there's no adam and eve story adam and eve is a genetic story all the every every race on earth has a special home planet so the black people have a home planet i don't know the home planet but they for sure have one the chinese people have a home planet where they come from we the white people have a home planet and also have the red people so that's the version i believe in of course proof is hard to find and within that basic collection and this is also a reason for me to believe why why the earth is ho is uh, is a ball because i believe that Stuart, that all all life usually on other planets is within on the inside you know not on the outside so i believe also in the inner earth stories that we have a hollow ball kind of with an inner sun and to make that work you can't make, have a flat earth if, you can't if have a flat work. earth that's it you need to have a hole on, on on bottom and on top to have the sunlight going in you have to have an inner sun to spread that light otherwise it just doesn't work and if all the planets have life um, venus mars jupiter uh, and all the others it has to be on the inside. On the outside, it's either too hot or too cold. It doesn't work. Then so just briefly, just as Anya is also commenting about the shape of the Earth in chat, in terms of uh, who needs a flat surface or whatever. And and the thing is, I just want to reiterate that point. Um, and I'm not here to defend or take a side. And I'm not the leader. most. I'm not the most well versed in the arguments either. I'm just you know. Uh, watching some of those shows and uh, trying to understand the arguments and what i can definitely say is that people are not believing in like a pizza floating in space that's not what people believe it's more about the idea of potentially toroidal it's about dielectric planes it's about the idea of um, density and uh, there's certain terms for that it's just about different perspectives on ideas such as gravity different perspectives on the movements we can observe and a lot of criticism against purported, um, let's say, uh, uh, events, for example, as I understand, north-south uh, circumpolar navigation, which apparently was never properly done. And just because, uh, and I read this in the intro, you also have familiarity with Jesuits, one of their arguments also is that the globe uh, thing actually was, in a sense, a Jesuit ploy. Aside, of course, from the idea that understandably on the globes that you can buy like for educational purposes it even says on the globes kind of like this is entertainment purpose only and there's many many interesting stories here to uh, to look into i just want to say that it's not about you know a floating uh, pancake or something okay i believe yeah the jesuits were involved in galileo galilei's story of, um, in the beginning they want they keep they, they are big secret keepers um I, sp I personally know Jesuits who keep the secret. They told me in the face, yeah, yes, we know, but we don't tell. Uh, well, then and just one question, very simply put, sorry to cut you off, um, or not sorry, no problem. but uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, just in terms of very simple conception, if I would say I have, especially with the Jesuits, and I don't want to paint them as the grand devil or whatever, but you just, we know we have groups that have more or less, as you say, secrets and understanding and telescopes and, you know, possibilities and mystery schools and old books and 
hidden books and sequestered information, right? So, um, I mean, is it really so hard to think about it, to say like, oh, we have this population, we want to keep them in a certain frame of mind. So, of course, as you know, very well know, we tell them where they come from, we tell them where they go to, we control that narrative, and we tell them where they are and who they are, of course, right? Absolutely. And then to me, I mean, what would be simpler in a sense, if I really take it from that view, then have a population, put them on a reservation, make a circle around it, and then give them a globe to make them believe they're completely free and that's all there really is. Whilst in fact, there is more, not saying what that is exactly, where or how, but just as a basic concept, this doesn't seem too far-fetched to me, honestly. Yeah. Okay, okay, yes and no. I, I, I agree to disagree. It's not so easy, I would say. I'm a believer. I still, I'm still a believer in one fa in one way. I still believe in God. I still oh, believe sure, sure. In, in a higher order. So I wouldn't say, or let's say it that way, maybe. The flat earth is also a concept from people, not the Jesuits, I believe, but Eric from Dubai, for example, is one, one of these, who is too intelligent to believe what he says. I, I followed these arguments for quite a while. And, and, and they were all so easy to, to um, disprove. To disprove, thanks. I will learn English here. And so he's really too intelligent. So I, I believe this is also made in purpose to, to, to leave the people on a lower mind. To, to the level of the mind should be low. Flat Earth is just one example or, or okay, whole then, thing of Let me just give the different perspective and I certainly agree and that's always an issue like with any movement, any name <laughs> mm -hmm. that you have initially, well, it can be co-opted. But the idea that yeah. those individuals that I'm seeing or following is just doing their own experiments, researching for themselves and, uh, and actually many of them, as I understand, very much believe in God and great order. So that's no, interesting. No, people are nice. I met nice flat earth. But I just I didn't want to speak about too much about flat earth. I just wanted to bring it as an example to also the, the people are mostly nice and I like them to criticize the system. That's what I like very much. Just the conclusion is, is wrong. Um, but the point is with all those programs, I, I don't believe these programs come later. I believe that, so as far as I understood you, you said it could be that, that the whole earth is just a place for this kind of experience. But what was I understand it, if I understand you right, I would say that the, the at least our universe, there are about 150 million universes as far as I've heard, um, our universe is based on love. And this should be the, the, the number one law. If you speak about spiritual laws, I gave up the Bible as law and gave up Quran and all the, the books don't bring us the real laws. The real laws are kind of physical laws. And there seems to be love as the highest law, which also is uh, comparable to the teaching of Jesus. It's not so far-fetched. But this is a physical law, which we um, consume with our aura more than with our body and more than with our mind so it's an energetic thing what we call the holy spirit the holy spirit is anything is anything but a person it's it's energy it's the orthodox concept of energy that's the closest or the chinese chi or whatever you want or the indian prana you can take what you want uh, it's an energy concept and within that energy concept i believe that every every planet has a certain purpose within that concept there's truth and justice also 
and there must be place, and this is where we come together, uh, a place for the lower consciousness where they can kind of play around as they want. That's what Earth is. We are such a lower place in the universe where, where we can play uh, with the lower minds and we are a planet where freedom is possible, which is not possible on every on every other planet, as far as I've heard. There are other planets where you cannot do, for example, criminal things, because it just doesn't work. The planet doesn't allow it. Earth is a very merciful planet. <laughs> she allows very much. And and so we can. But in basically it's it's a child child garden. Earth is a child garden for, for, for human beings to, to develop. But it's not negative from the beginning on. It's not a concept to, to keep you low, on a low consciousness. It's not like I have to say at least the Old Testament in big parts, a big manipulation of people. You know, um, At the moment, I'm trying to figure out which part of the Old Testament especially is still to, worth to be taken. I, I make the distinguishing between Elohim and Yahweh. Everything which is connected to Elohim, I would say, forget it, throw it away, took it out of the Bible. <laughs> Yahweh is a different, different thing. He seems to be an alien who has a big high consciousness, who has, who gave us the Ten Commandments and that stuff. And so I would say Yahweh is on a higher level, and they really try to help us. By, by, by the Elohims, when I hear Kerry Cassidy and other people speak about the enslavement, God enslaved us. Yes, the Elohim people did. So they even put the, the people in the Genesis already put Adam and Eve and the others uh, in the Garden of Eden because the gold is good there. Genesis chapter three, you know. It's That's... funny that you're saying that because last night I watched a two-hour documentary by Spirit Science about the Anunnaki ah, and like Anunnaki origins story. and stuff. Right? Yeah. So it was yeah. getting into El Elohim kind of messenger stuff. Um, before we go down too many rabbit holes, I'm kind of curious, and you can be brief if you'd like. Um, tell me a little about your background. Apparently you were in the, the Jesuit order at some level, but just kind of tell me where you grew up, what culture you were part of, and how you got to where you are. Raphael told me that you will ask me. Yeah, yeah, no, I I'm would. not in the order. I'm not in the order. I have cool. Okay, background. Yes, I'm from Vienna. I'm 50 years old. I'm... First I was a decorator. Walks on the beach. No, kidding. No walks on the beach, no. Only a Danube. Danube beach, yes. Walks on the beach off the Danube sometimes. But usually, uh, I was a decorator first, upholstery. That was my first job. So I came of a low-level low family, no high school. I'm the only one who ended, ever attended university in my whole family. My mother is, is a farmer. My father is a plumber. So very simple family background. Uh, oh, yeah, my grandma. She plays piano. She made concerts a little bit. So my favorite for music comes from my grandma. Anyway, very simple thing. And then I, I, I went to the child home. My mother got a little bit physic, yeah, kind of. Schizophrenia is a little bit hard. To, uh, it's, it's hard. It needs an explanation on itself. I studied it later on in my pedagogics time, and I found out that schizophrenic people like my mother have the ability. They actually like prophets. They have the ability to see the truth, but it becomes schizophrenia when they when you turn everything. You, you, you feel from the outside world to yourself. When you take everything is important for you, that's just, that's just not true. And the ability of prophecy becomes an illness, and we call it schizophrenia. That was my second study after my child home years. I studied pedagogics, and I started high school, and I, and I found out I'm not so stupid, actually, after all. It was just I'm not trained in it. 
So I started high school with 20 and I became a pedagogue, a social worker. And I was interested in religion since I was 14. Uh, I, I went to church when I was, I started church when I was 13 because they were more peaceful. That's in my school. They were always fighting. In the in the child home, I had to live. After that, they were also not really friendly. I had one friend there, not more. Were well, not my people. And my religion teacher brought me to church and said, "You you belong here." And the funny thing is, they they gave me a sheet of paper. I know it until today. They gave me a sheet of paper and said, "Who do you trust? Your mother? No. Family? No. School? No." And then there came God. I don't know. Church, I don't know. And then there was the, re the rest, I don't know. Something else, and I was just, no, no, no. So in the end, there were only two things left where I didn't know if I can trust him or not. And this was the church and God. And so I became Catholic. Let's find out. <laughs> I, was, I was 13 years old, and I went to Taizé for years. All my, my first kiss, my first Bible introduction, and my first travel abroad I had when I was still 13 in Taizé in France. So the first order, the first monastery, which, which gave me uh, background was Frère Roger from Taizé and all the brothers there. I learned a lot from them in my youth. So I, I went to that path from... So was this like a strictly sociological kind of um, like pedagogical, like you're saying, element? Or did you have any spiritual experiences that made you want to do this? Was it not purely the, curiosity? Not in that, not in that age. The, my spiritual abilities, which I inherited from my mother actually, in, uh, came later, in the mid-twenties, they starting. They were, I mean, I hear voices since I'm on Earth, but I didn't know that angels can talk. And I, yes, I actually had my guidance even when I was younger, but I just didn't realize it. I thought it was an inner talk, and I was talking to myself. I knew that this was not my voice and not my thoughts, but I still thought that must be me. I had no idea that somebody else could talk to me. Uh, I find out that this is really somebody from outside when I was about 20, when I became to the charismatic renewing. I guess, Jim, you probably know the charismatic movement. I'm aware of it, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I was part of the charismatic movement for 20 years. Uh, in Austria, the group is called Loreto, at the group I was in. They're not happy with me right now. <laughs> Any reason in particular? Well, to, to call Jesus an alien and, and to say he's not God is like, uh, yeah, could be the devil himself talking. I mean, no, I still have friends there, but, but they know that I'm not so bad. But it's hard for them to make my, to, to, to realize my changes. I, I don't have so many contacts anymore. Um, and my, my real friends are left in the prayer house. I changed the group then after years. And the prayer house is still good friends to me, but also there. I can't go there anymore. Because when I start talking and I start interpreting the Bible the way I, I do it now, it's just like, stop. We are either afraid or don't understand a single word you're talking, you know. Uh, it just doesn't I think Jesus anymore. had the same problem in his hometown, apparently. Uh, probably, yeah. So when you say charismatic, were you like holding snakes and stuff like that? Or were you just getting hyped up into spiritual trance states? Or how do you interpret that? Hyped up in spiritual trance states, yes. No snakes. Uh, Loreto is a um, – well, it was after Tese. Many people from Tese in Austria uh, kind of formed these charismatic groups. I didn't know them first. When I studied theology, it came with theology. When I was 25, I started studying theology on the Jesuit University. Um, 
it was then when I came to Tyrol, where I live now, and when I, I don't know, actually, I don't know how it started, because actually it was in Germany. Somehow I get to meet these people, you know, on, on some kind of, you know, this church stuff. Somebody invites you somewhere and you just follow and you meet those people somewhere in Germany. And there was a lovely girl smiling and I was, I, where do you live? In Vienna. I come from Vienna. Let's go for a coffee next week. And so I went into this Loreto group because she took me there and once there i couldn't stop it was i'm a musician i play guitar so i love the music i love this uh, jesus singing hallelujah holy spirit oh, this is a german song there's there's for sure an english original but i can so it was a little more rock and roll and that's so rock, like and roll. rock and roll was very important yes and the meetings uh, and the girls but actually, this is so such a holy group that the girls become more a picture than reality. It's a really holy group. There's no sex before marriage. And so I tried to become holy. This were really the 20 years when I tried to become holy because I was not so holy from my background here. I was Catholic, but Catholic does not necessarily mean holy. But coming to the charismatic movement makes you at least try to be holy. And then, uh, of course, I, I wanted to study theology even when I was 15 already. And this came all together in my mid-twenties, and so I was in the Jesuit university, and I was at Did Loretto. you get tapped to go into the Jesuit thing, or how did you figure out about Jesuits? That was an accident. Actually, no, not really. It was actually one, one of my angels, alien angels, whatever. I was working in Delves in a night. In a night, uh, I, was, I was going home to my pedagogic education in Stamms, where I had. And I was, oh, happy, over, the, the pedagogy is over, I can go to Vienna and study theology. Because I wanted to back, go back to Vienna, I wanted to go back home, I, have no, I had no intention to stay here. And then there was, it was full moon night, and I was walking 10 kilometers, I missed the last bus. And uh, That's a long walk. That's a long walk, and many, many possibilities for angels to talk to you. And then, he, and then the, the voice came, I need you in Innsbruck. And I said... Why? I want to go back to Vienna. What do I do in Innsbruck? I hate the mountains. I still do. Um, and actually, that was the reason. I had no idea about Jesuits or anything. I had no idea that Innsbruck even had a, a university. Um, I didn't know. I mean, yes, I knew. But this was also an accident. I was working. Not important. I knew by that time that Innsbruck had a university, but I had no intention to go there. It was the end alien angel whatever who told me i need you in innsbruck on this 10 kilometers walk yeah well being a good follower i said okay well then i study in innsbruck you know that was actually it and then two months later when my pedagogic studies were over i went to innsbruck it was not far away only 20 kilometers uh 50 sorry 50 times is 50 and then i'm here so i already had one two connections one friend here from the university so i could stay with him for the first year what turned years. you on to Jesuits, though? I mean, was it like a friend, and they were like, check out this club, or how did that Well, work? the first, it was always outside contact. I mean, the first, okay, if you want to go there, I was working in the ski ski area for, for Liftwart. Was that Liftwart of English? I don't know. I was responsible for the for the lift to bring you up to the mountain. Anyway. Yeah, I yeah. I live in Colorado. I, I know. I've lived in Switzerland. Ah, okay. Ski resorts. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. So I was there. There was not much to do. For me, it was perfect. I could study my pedagogic stuff and I get paid for studying, essentially. And one day I was knocking at my door. I uh, come in. said, oh, hi. Are you the one here who studies the Bible? 
during the work? I said, uh, yes, in between. Busted. Yeah, I was actually known on the whole mountain for, for me being a Christian and working on a mountain and studying ancient Greek and, 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 and literature and whatever, for pedag usually pedagogics, but I also had my Bible with me. And, uh, and he was a theologian from Innsbruck, and that was actually my first contact. He has nothing to do with the Jesuits apart from being a student there. He's a bus driver now. Uh, and he took me to the university, and this was the day, but this was 1991, this is, uh, yeah, 1991, when I discovered, oh, Tyrol has a capital city, I didn't know, you know, so I really had no idea, and this was my first, my first lesson in, in Innsbruck, and funnily, it was also uh, Fisher, the Old Testament, the, church, the, the same priest who I now know with its space, who I now know is part of the system of the secret society group within the Jesuits, was the first teacher I ever met on this in this house. That was, thinking about it, it's actually funny. Uh, I was actually fascinated, didn't know anything about that these days. And he, um, he t he's teacher for the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the key to understand the alien stuff in, in, the, in, the, in our society from the biblical perspective, uh, because Jesus, not, Jesus, of course, the virgin birth, but that's a whole different story. The, the I mean, there is a very screaming passage in Genesis about Nephilim, and I'm always like, I mean, as a kid, yeah, I was like, yeah, yo, yeah. guys, you can't just skip over that shit. You're right. Uh, Nephilim, the giants, there is so much, uh, you can nearly take every page. I love Ezekiel. Right at the moment, I'm at Ezekiel. The whole version in chapter 1 it's a UFO. There's a whole book from the NASA. It's uh, from Blumrich, I think it's called, who, 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 who in the 70s, it was written in the 70s, and he comes to the clear conclusion the version of Ezekiel, the vision of Ezekiel 1 is a UFO. The wheels if, within wheels stuff? Sorry? I didn't get it. The wheels within wheels kind of yes, Ezekiel yes, vision? Yeah. yeah. That's very easy. You, you just take a, huge, uh, a chair. The chairs of today with wheels, they turn around in every direction. It's very simple. Um, and there are usually also wheels within wheels, because if you have a chair and you have, you have usually the ball and you have a wheel outside, otherwise uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't spin. It's actually I don't know easy. if you've seen um, Jodie Foster. She has a movie that was written by Carl Sagan um, called Contact. The wheels yeah, within wheels kind of reminds me a little of that uh, <laughs> thing, yeah, that yeah. machine. As far as I've heard, the contact movie is there is ancient there are ancient machines where you can travel through the stargates with this machine, but usually people don't survive that uh, safe and sound because you come out insane. Kind of we we don't really we have not we are not capable. This is a, such a high frequency. We're not capable to travel with that. So the movie is kind of right. These machines, I don't know who was it, Stephen Greer, David Wilcox, some of those people told me. Not me. That's what I found. So the movie seems to be quite real, but that's a different thing. It's more like a Stargate. So um, it should be real. Like Jodie Foster's in the movie, she comes to this other place and, and finds the history of human beings. Yeah. I've done something similar to that and actually met Jesus in an astral projection back in high school, so I think it's possible with psychedelics and like mind trainment um, to be able to do these technological kind of things, but I think people try to do the shortcut, like 
through technology or something and maybe it works but like you're saying maybe it doesn't as well i didn't mean to cut you off and get on a tangent um if you you could wrap up as much you know we could talk about your past as much as you want but um so you got to innsbruck and basically between the chicks and the um information you got turned on to the jesuits i've never even been approached by a jesuit um my grandparents actually I'm coming from a lot of Christian kind of stock. They started Tim Keller uh, Bible study in their apartment in Manhattan, who's like kind of a modern Christian preacher type guy. Um, so I'm coming from a Protestant kind of thing. But Jesuits, I mean, until Raphael, I started talking to him, and he was kind of talking about Star Wars and stuff. Uh, it's not something that came up much in my – I mean, I didn't do research on it. Let's put it that way. I've heard about them, but I've never looked into it. What like was their initiation process, or like how did you get in? What's that? Um, about? No, no, you 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 didn't get it. Uh, I started on a university. The university was my teachers were Jesuits. Gotcha. Not all so of them. Secondhand but smoke. I am not in the order. Gotcha. I wanted no, I to go now. in a monastery, you. but I wanted to be a Franciscan actually which was also part of my stuff. When I started the Middle Ages, there was uh, Thomas of Aquinas, who was a Dominican, and his opponent was um, a Franciscan. Nah, name doesn't come to me right now. Don Scotus. And I found the metaphysics of Don Scotus more convincing than the metaphysics of Thomas of Aquinas, and that's why I wanted to become a Franciscan, and so I tried to. But I didn't get in. I have my problems with authority, but that's a different story. Um, no, the Jesuits were my teachers, uh, I was in, yeah, invited, yeah, I was invited by the Jesuits, but not to become a Jesuit, but to work on university. Uh, the history teacher, also a Jesuit, wanted me as an assistant, so that's the highest I get. And somebody else asked, I was asked sometimes to, uh, to work on university, for several times. But that was already on a level where I, I was not sure what to do anymore. So, and then later on, now it's not possible because, yeah, I, I can't. Uh, uh, so uh, what are some of the issues, Raphael? I'm kind of curious what, like, the word Jesuit triggers a lot of people. It doesn't really mean much to me. What is the baggage there or what's the kind of spin that you think we well, should be aware of? Well, of course, of? we are trained in the history of the order. There's a special teacher, uh, uh, but that's not so special. That's like any, any other. I found out later that's just the whole, the, the half part. So Ignatius from Loyola in the 16th century was in Spain and uh, he got injured by um, by a war and he went to hospital and in the hospital he had this revelation that he should find, uh, that he should found a, a new order. That's the official story. Ignatius from Loyola was the founder of the Exorcitian, is that correct? In English, um, 40 days. They are quite famous still until today in the Catholic world. The 40 days of Exorcitian, the Jesuits do that regularly once a year, but usually not 40 days. Usually you do it one week in our days. So that's quite a practice which everybody knows. And then, of course, they started uh, the mission. You know, 16th century, that's Luther times, so or the Protestants came up and um, the Jesuits were the one who re yeah, make it, make them Catholic again. So Tyrol, the, the, the area I live in in Austria, was already Protestant. So the Protestantism was already down on the border of Italy, you know. And then the Jesuits were sent here to make them Catholic again with success. And actually, do you know why? They, how they did it? They made theater. It was not high theology. It was theater. Um, with with these shows. They brought the people together 
and made Catholic shows and they became Catholic again. They were very successful missionaries. So the success of... Does that make you skeptical of religion in general, where it's just like entertainment purposes get people converted? <laughs> skeptic. Uh, for a long time, I, I believed that this is a very good thing. It was later on that I found out that the Faranese family in Rome was actually involved in the foundation of the Jesuits. So they had, from, from the beginning on, they had a high-level uh, nobility clan behind them, the, the, the Faranese family from, from the Vatican. So from beginning on, they were pr protected and they had protégé, they were protégé from this family. So, and if you remember the history that the Templar order, who had the same role, I believe, before, this is a sub but they, they went out in the 13th century, they were all killed. Um, so there was the need of a new group. And then there came this Ignatius from Loyola who said he wants to follow the Pope. The speciality of the Jesuit order is they have the, the, the highest superior of the Jesuit order is the Pope himself. So there's a Jesuit general, yes. But usually the order of St. Francis is a beggar order and, and, and Dominicum is also, and they are scientists' orders. But the Jesuits, they really... They follow the Pope. It, 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 in the 16th century, this is a great thing to do. When everything becomes Protestant, Jesus, uh, Luther, Zwingli, Calvin, and the others, uh, usually it's Luther, Zwingli, Calvin, the others are not so important, but um, to, to say in, the, in, this cent, in this century, we are the group specially and only for the Pope, that's kind of insane. It's actually not, not really uh, very modern in this century. <laughs> so, of course, uh, the forces of the church get hold of that group and used it for their purpose. I cannot tell you if it is from the beginning on so that the plans to, 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 in, to, to get that group, to, to give the birth to this group, or if the group was before and then they took use of it. Uh, what's for sure is that very, very soon, uh, in the it must be in the first 20 years, they got in this connection with the Vatican and I I believe it was before they take the Pope as, as, as their highest leader, kind of. And you have the, the black Pope, which is a Jesuit always. You know? he's, he's the, because they have, you get access. If you say, we are the order for the Pope, you get access. The idea of, of Ignatius was to change the church. I cannot tell you if that was a theater too, or if it was ever meant to be serious, could be. I don't believe it anymore, actually. <laughs> the official version is, of course, that um, you change, you have influence in the church, and they did. You have to say they did. It's not. Well, it must be a little of the show Game of Thrones. I mean, people are doing what they need to do to get ahead, it seems. And some of them are like, "Yeah, I'll start an order. We'll be your lackeys or whatever, and just treat us a little differently." I mean, I don't want to be so jaded like that, but it seems like I would like to think there's some people who have actual religious experiences, but there's a lot of people like that's the whole point of indulgences and all that kind of stuff with the Reformation. But, like these people are just kind of making systems to work in like a Death Star. It's like, yeah, we'll build a Death Star. Sure. Like I'll be a stormtrooper. <laughs> it's like that kind of vibe. The point is it's not all negative. I have to say very clear here one thing. Nobody goes into an order. I also, I, I, of course, I thought of becoming a Jesuit, being around them every day. Of course, you think about it. And at that day, nobody comes to you and tells you we're working with aliens. It doesn't happen. 
first you go in every because I know a special friend of mine who we were studying together and he became a Jesuit and you know he was quite he was never talking very much but um, once he went into the order in the beginning he was normal but when the initial uh, the initiation liturgy was over he stopped speaking at all I didn't understand it that those days, but later on, I when I when I wrote when I got hand of the papers and I wrote the text and I knew what the Jesuits are doing, I understood. Um, they, you 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 get to know it when you're in the order, not before. So when you go in, you're an innocent sheep, you know. Then you make your vows, that you keep silence, that you will you will stay to the secrets and and. Then you get the secrets after the vows. You know, first you say, yes, I will keep the secrets. And then you get to know, yeah, you work with this group, you work with that planet. We go to, to the Ryan sector tomorrow and, you know, you fly in the underground and you go to the other planets and whatever. Uh, as far as I know, they have a prison. They are psychological advisors for a prison in the Orion sector, the Jesuits. So they have to be there from time to time. Well, that would be befitting, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's it's very fitting. When I got to know these background stories, I suddenly understood my teachers better. I never understood certain things. I was there 20 years. And for me, it's so clear now uh, why they are so afraid, why they are so... Certain things... The The easiest key is... If you know that somebody is in the secret world, I don't, I don't know if every, I don't believe that every Jesuit is is uh, within in the secret group. Some of them may never know. It is a group within the group, you know. And I'm sure for two people, I know the names of two people on my university who, who are involved. I don't know for everybody else. So they're very, very. I don't. It's really hard to say. But I, I, I came to the point 2017 where I quite knew something um, to make them officially commit the secret stuff. That was my biggest success in the Jesuit University, and from this is why I know the two came because 500 there were 500 people in the room, <clears throat> and I asked about time travel uh, because it was a speed about uh, God within the time. So, God cannot uh, a little bit citing of Thomas of Aquinas and Aristotle so that they know that you are theologian and not something else. And then I came up with time travel. And then my teacher said, Thanks for the big truth. Somebody finally is talking. I said, Oh, Edmund, hi. <laughs> what happened? And I knew that he is within the group. And then suddenly the Fisher, the same guy who was teaching me Old Testament for 20 years, raised from his from his chair and said, Shut up! Now we well, we kept silence for 500 years and now you start talking. And I was smiling all over the place. Um, time travel is even a bigger problem. The alien stuff is not such a big problem because if you dig a little bit, it's quite easy to find out that we're not alone in this world. But you just, just usually you don't do it because you're not used to it. Uh, it was a big shock for me. But uh, now it's it's the easier part. The, the bigger part is actually time travel. Time travel is much more complicated and has much more influence because when you go back to Jesus and you kill Jesus as a baby, there is no Christianity. Just imagine that. And it is possible. 
there are people time traveling. So I understand that my, my teacher was more concerned about time travel, but that's what, the, again, it was an accident. Many The best thing happens as an accident. <laughs> I never planned to come here. I never planned to uncover anything, you know. Uh, nothing of that was planned. Yeah, I just always look for the truth. I, I'm Since I'm a child, the truth, because the whole world was of my mother. Yes, we were starting in my, okay, that's a good point. For the stopping for, for the end of this part. Uh, from my childhood on, I was looking for the truth because the world... Quidas Veritas, right? Kind of, yes. Quidas Veritas, yes, you can say so. Uh, because what my mother told me was not true. I found that when I was eight years old. And then I had the Catholic truth. And it carried me on for over 20 years, 30 years. And then I found out that even that is a lie. I mean, in big parts. Jesus is a true guy. He may not be God. Actually, I'm quite sure he's an alien. He's not God. But what he said is very good. I have no right to say anything about Jesus' teaching. He's much high above me, I believe. And I'm not sure about that. <laughs> um, he knows more than the most of us here. You know, and maybe any of us. I don't know. He must be for very... Every demon is really afraid of Jesus. Have you ever fought a demon? In the charismatic movement, we do. Um, I've actually had like a night terror a few times, and the only thing that ever would make that go away was saying, you know, thinking Jesus' name or something. So I think it has a lot of power. It has a lot of power, as you say, alien or not. The name of Jesus has a lot of power. He might be wherever he comes from, but he has a lot of power. But And this is still true to this day, and his teachings are very nice and very good, and, and everybody is good to follow that. Not to the word, because also the Bible is not really word of God. There is, it's good that we have four evangeliums, not one. You know that there are differences. It's not, this is the, that's why the Bible is better than the Quran, because the Quran is word of God fallen down from heaven. That's just as crazy as it can, as it, as it can get. Uh, that's the worst thing we have on this planet. I'm, it's not about against Islam. Islam is, is, is not so bad at all. But Strict all literalism has its drawbacks. Yeah, it has. Um, so I'm kind of curious. I mean, I, that's good that you wrapped up um, to like the present mode, basically. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe I want to talk a little about time travel. And it seems like, you know, I mean, when you're talking about Orion and stuff, Raphael's more keen on that stuff. Raphael turned me on to possible galactic heritage and all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of curious, whichever you want to start with, like, and Raphael, feel free to jump in anywhere. Um, what? Is it a technology or a spiritual te technique, or like what is the time travel situation that they yeah. were kind of trying to conceal? So maybe just before we continue down the rabbit hole, just to provide perspective, is the idea with infinite parallel universes and the idea that the grandfather paradox in the way that you describe it actually would not occur in that sense because every idea of a quote-unquote time travel would in a sense create a completely new timeline for that individual experiencing that. So it's not that there is one objective timeline, but that there are infinite timelines. And in that case, these issues wouldn't be such a big problem. Although, of course, it would be incredibly interesting to know what your former professor like really thought, what his beliefs were, and maybe why he was afraid to spill that particular secret or even talk about it. So highly interesting. Still to this day, I tried to speak to him again. I never saw him again yet. Anyway, uh, as far as I found out so far, I, I spent quite some time. Um, 
there is for example the the i know about the parallel universes but i'm not so sure have you ever heard about the mandela effect yes i've experienced well, we discussed it and i also experienced it yeah yeah so you know that there are people who remember that mandela died in prison which he of course in our timeline did not so uh if there is a, is a world where Mandela died in prison and now we live in a world where, where Mandela came out of prison, I can find a good reason for that because then he made this truth commission and the truth commission is what we will really need in our future. If we ever, if we ever get any kind of disclosure, what would you do? You would make a truth commission in, in the way Nelson Mandela did. So I can really understand that somebody makes a time trial and put him out of prison. Well, thanks for that. But still, it seems to have effect out on our timeline, not a different timeline. So I believe there are things happening in our timeline, like the Mandela effect, uh, where, you, uh, where you change the true timeline. So there might be that, that you create that. I haven't understood that completely. Uh, but there seems to be inevitable points, points of no return, where you, if you change that, you, ch you really create a new timeline. But it's not always like that. So in between these inevit inevitable, uh, unavoidable, let's say unavoidable uh, points, in between there, are, there, are, there is a period where you can change the time. It seems the death or life of Nelson, you have to be careful what, what you do. I don't know, that was a serious talking about it. Uh, and I forgot the name. So there are certain things you can do and certain things you can't. The, it's a very basic concept, actually. Wilcock just made recently a speech about timeline for four hours. That was quite long. Uh, saying that anti-gravity, we know that all of these sources are, are, not, are not rockets. They are anti-gravity. It seems that the physics of anti-gravity includes time travel so Wilcox says so that it's not possible to make a, a source of light without a time travel flight that's included by physics and we have the Montauk project in near that's that's near you Jimmy that's in New York in Manhattan the Montauk project is somewhere in Manhattan um, where they have this chair it's, it's actually just a chair but it's a chair out of a UFO. I don't know which one might be Roswell or something else, or White Sand or whatever. Um, and they put this in this Montag project room, whatever that is, and they, they put the cheap people there. And with this chair, they can travel within time. That's actually the Montag project. And now the, the, cruel, the cruel thing comes that it's easy to travel in time within your lifespan. But when you go back, let's say, when I go back, uh, let's say 45 years, I am five years old. It's not really a problem. I can still manage everything. But when I go 55 years, I will uh, die. So what you have to do when you, when you time travel is you have to uh, replace the point of your birth. Um, don't ask me how that works, but that's what you have to do. So when you make, or you have to stabilize the, 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 the 
force field, so the anti-gravity field, so that you don't make time travel. These are the possibilities. Either you let the time travel happen, which is automatically kind of, then you have to re repoint your your um, time of birth, or you don't want to time travel. Then you have to you have to um, um, in English. My memory doesn't really work. You could say you, something to Rob on German. I think you translate. That's fine. No, that's okay. I will manage. Either you take the time travel, then you you reschedule your birthday or you don't take the time travel then you have to reschedule the the ship so that the ship does not make this time travel stuff but you have to to deal with that otherwise it goes automatically and if you travel too fast you're either dead or because you're too young or dead because you're too old i think that sums it up um so it is possible it is a part and what what i find is the interesting thing is that it seems to be part of nature so the the real question is what is time if anti-gravity if the we are in a gravitational field on earth when we walk gravity walks and we, we, we do not fly even birds uh fly because they use certain power yeah, aerodynamics yeah. aerodynamics their wings their muscles but gravity still works on them if they stop with flying, if they stop with their muscle movement, with aerodynamic, with the use of aerodynamics, they will fall down. Gravity still works on them. With an with, with a saucer, with an anti-gravital, with an anti-gravity craft, you can move, you know, and uh, you can step out of this natural surrounding. You're suddenly outside of nature. And the funny thing is, when you're outside of the of the gravity of gravity, you are also outside of time. So there seems to be a connection. It's nature what we are actually talking about when you talk about saucers and UFOs and that stuff. The, the, the nature of nature, so to speak, um, which seems that the time is is not really a line. It seems to be more like a circle, kind of. And when you're out, we moving in a circle, like we have the, like different circles seems to be in the nature very often, you know, good morning, good night, good evening, the sun goes up every day, it's a small circle, we have the year, summer, winter, spring, it's a circle, it's all time circles, but they're also, we go around the sun, which is a circle, which is also against flat earth. Wheels within wheels, as they say, circles within circles. Yes, there's also, the nature is circle within circle, you know? And that's true. It's like it's a hill a little bit. And so it's this it's this question. When you go out of nature, you have to stabilize yourself to to stay in nature. Otherwise, you get lost. And it's funny that you say that. I don't know if you're into Philip K. Dick, who is an American author, but there's a TV no. show about, um, I think it's called Man of the High Castle. Oh, man. A, yes, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a book. Then it turned into a show. It's about the Germans and Japanese winning the war and stuff like that. But anyway, so parallel timelines. And there's actually a Japanese gentleman. I'm not going to spoil much here, but uh, there's a Japanese gentleman who's obsessed with the I Ching. And he, he does this and he teaches basically how to become unstuck in time and travel through dimensions just through meditation. Do you think that this is a technique humans in like with our spines and being like little Tesla coil magnets or whatever we are? can do or do we have to have a chair from Montauk to do this? 
I don't do. I, I don't think we, as you said before, technique is a help to do things we cannot yet do with our frequency. Our frequency is too low to do that. If you're high enough on a level like Jesus, Jesus heals the blind, and that he didn't need any technique for that because he has the frequency. When you're high enough in your frequency, all these things come to you naturally. And I believe there must be a point when, at least when you create the universe, when you have reached the level, when you create your own universe, so you become a creator. does not mean God. Please distinguish. Uh, if you take Plato, the creator of the universe is, the, so, is, uh, is not God, you know. Plato makes a certain distinguishing here. Um, it's, it's really hard when I speak in oh, I read all the philosophers in, in German, so I don't know the English word. Um, <clears throat> you're not God when you create a universe. If you imagine that there are 150 billions of universes, like I heard from Valiant Thor, who was from Venus, by the way, <clears throat> then if you create a universe, you're not God. You, in our belief system, we say, yeah, we believe in God, the creator of the universe. That's again wrong i believe i guess there's a difference qualitatively between source and um witness or co-creator when you mean because i think in some way we like we're co-creators i mean we're in the image of god quote unquote whatever that means and it seems we're like we have the capacity to create and destroy to influence things with the will but at some level i i mean i'm a theist still for this reason it's like i think there's a ontological difference between whatever source is versus the participants of creation oh yes now it becomes yeah 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 you're right i, I don't know actually i have to say i don't know source if you use i don't think Raphael would God, think that <laughs> but i don't know though um i use the word source now i hear it very often used for god if you mean god by that then i agree uh, probably there is a difference so far, the only thing I found yet is what you cannot create is life itself. So when you create a universe, this is the, oh, who was that? That's the universe theory. I'm, that's another show. I don't remember. Cherry, Cherry Wills, I think was the name. And he left the universe and he, he went outside and he, uh, he got the news that our universe is a creation within a laboratory of another universe because they found out their own universe is in a laboratory of somebody else. Is that not an infinite regression issue, though? Not, not I mean, infinite. Not infinite. Just so many I, possibles. <laughs> in this case, three. Our universe is in a laboratory of somebody else's universe who is in a laboratory of somebody else. Yeah. There's actually a Rick and Morty episode about that. Exactly, exactly on my mind, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I don't know the episode. Um, but if that's true, then what they're doing in CERN, for example, in Switzerland, could end up in the creation of a universe. Although, yeah, there are many different things, they, they, stories about CERN. So... We are working on that already, you know. Um, point is, you can, you can create a universe. You can create space and time. You can create planets. But where source comes in the game is life. You cannot create a soul. You can create a clone and put a soul in a clone. You can transfer the soul from one body to the other. We have lots of stories about that. But you cannot create a soul. 
A clone without a soul will die, and when a clone dies, all the memories die with him. The soul brings with it the aura, the aura body, and the four upper aura bodies keep the memory of your experience on this planet or another planet, and you go on with your eternal life. Soul is an eternal life, and that life comes from soul, from, from God, from source, from whatever. All the ancient, all the old words like Allah or, or doesn't don't work anymore. So call it source if you want. Um, but um, you can create a universe. You can create space and time. You can create planets. That's not a problem. And I believe, as Valiant Four said, there are more than 150 billions of universes. And if the Turkish Book of Life is correct, then these universes are laying down on a meadow. There seems to be a meadow, green, I suppose. Uh, not sure. Haven't seen it yet. Don't know. Where you can you can lay down all this one universe after the other. It's like a matter of universes. And if you ask for God, you should not ask who created the universe, but who created the matter where the universes are laying on. Or maybe the old Jewish idea is correct. Probably you know of the Sumsum God. The Sumsum God is a very simple thing. He he has the creation within his his stomach. And when he, he breathes out, he goes zoom. And when he breathes in, he goes zoom again. Bow, his, his stomach goes out and goes out, like when you breathe, you know, in and out. And that's the zoom zoom movement. And that's why they call it zoom zoom God, because it's within the stomach. Now imagine that a, uni a universe maybe is not more or less something like a cell in a body. If that's true, how many cells are in our body? I think also billions is for sure a good number. What even trillions maybe or what whatever comes after trillion, I don't really know. So maybe there are billions and trillions of universes because we're all in the body of source, because source is life. That's just an idea. Uh I just I just know that everything we call belief system is far too small to 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 to, to take that. And and space and time are not eternal. They are limited. Everything which is limited is not God. Only the soul is eternal. As you know, our universe theories, the universe creates, we, we Big Bang is discussing Big Bang theory, or whatever you want. Uh, and we, we or expand, I like more the expanding universe. The ex comes from a point, expands, and comes back to a point one day in some million years. The trillion, big crunch. Yeah, kind of, yes. So it's not eternal. So time and space are a question of, of a period or a, of time and space. Yeah. Universe is time and space. So it's a creation. Everything which is created is not eternal. It's not from God. Only life. Only life itself. Because there is the way that... This is what the laboratory said. You know, the laboratory said, yeah, we created the universe, but we didn't create life. Suddenly it came. You know? Ah, okay. <laughs> so there are two possibilities. Either life comes from itself, which is possible, probably, or it comes from outside. If you believe in God, it might come from outside. So that, and there are people who are traveling. You know Tom Campbell? Tom Campbell, who has uh, written a book, wrote a book about the big theory of everything, Big Toe. 
And he says clearly that he travels from one universe to the other when he goes astral. You have heard about astral trouble? Trouble? Astral I've done trouble. it once. It was yes. crazy. I mean, that's where I'm at. Done it. Where have you been? Oh, I don't know. I'll tell you a brief story, but long, long story short, in high school, I'm 35 years old now, but when I was 18, 17, I basically was doing a lot of mushrooms, had a Gnostic epiphany, kind of like as above, so below, kind of, you know, the fractal universe mm-hmm. nature thing. And then I, for some reason, started running on a treadmill, like an exercise machine, um, on the highest speed for like an hour or two, getting in a high trance state, and then meditating and getting my breathing really shallow after that for like another hour and meditating on my third eye and stuff. I did that for, and for no reason. I didn't have like a tutor or YouTube or anything like that. I was just kind of being led by the spirit, you could say. And um, after a week or two of doing this, I popped up out of my body during a meditation, saw my silver body, like my astral body. I was like, oh shit, what's going on? I was listening to music. I kind of went to this other dimension. It kind of, I mean, I'm not going to say it was Paul's third heaven or whatever, but it, it felt like another place kind of out of temporality. And I met what I imagined was Jesus. And I don't know if it was a mental projection or an actual character, but basically we looked into some really like kind of like abyss dark mode stuff just kind of squirming darkness and he's like I went there so you didn't have to and then I slammed back into my body and I was like oh shit so yeah that's astral nice. travel's real that's a nice story yeah, yeah yeah I believe that I've heard also that with, with certain kind of drugs you can raise your frequency oh yeah and and then you can you can do that you can leave the body the problem it's dangerous though because uh, there's no manual yeah that's it there's no manual and you are I, th- I believe that's the, the, that's the reason why there are, there are uh, planets, lower, low-level planets and high-level planets. It's like when you, when you give an atomic bomb to a five-year-old child, just pray that he doesn't press the button, you know, because he doesn't know what he's doing. So when, when we play with higher frequencies, when we play with astral trouble, without having the soul, without having the mind being able to, you can do it. But, but you open the door for negative entities, and believe me, they are out there too, whatever they are, but they are there too. So you never know whom you meet. It's a little bit dangerous, but, but it's uh, nice. You, you seem to survive it, and you seem to be in one piece and not crazy, so okay. I've heard about people who, who never come down from that trip, you know. Um, okay, so you were lucky, but I would prefer the way to meditate and and to raise the consciousness, and then then you and kind of yeah become, become Jesus or whatever, and then you can do it. Then it's no problem. Then it comes naturally, you know. Well, that was drug free. That's what I was kind of saying. It was a natural occurrence, and it was after then, then a few weeks great. of real trying. Oh, then go on. Then go on. Well, I haven't done it since then. You should. Well, the only other time I ever had a crazy experience was on dimethyltryptamine DMT, and I had I was talking to Egyptian deities and having Kundalini activations. It was kind of crazy. That was a lot less smooth and less controlled. Oh, then you know, Egyptian well, deities. Yeah, nice. I mean, real real quick story. I've said this before in many podcasts, so I don't really want to go off on about it too long. But I had been Where baptized. Did it come from? Oh, my friend. Uh, it was just Crystal. Oh, Tim, what do you say? Yeah. Let's do a music break, and then you just... We get into DMT your story trip. once again. Why not, yeah? Sure. Okay. So, let's do a break, and we'll be back in about uh, six minutes. All right? Okay. Catch you all then. And we are back. So, Jim, 
kindly recount your story. That was a dope track, Raphael. Good job. Long story short, uh, like I was saying, uh, in 2010, I moved. To, I'm from the east coast of America, from Virginia, and all around the Mid Atlantic. Um, but I had lived in Honolulu, Hawaii, for two years, and Easter of 2011, I was baptized in the Pacific on Easter Sunday morning, which I thought was kind of virtually cool. Like, I, mean, I was like, I've never done this officially. I guess I'll do this. Anyway, I came back from Hawaii and I started delivering pizzas and smoking weed and drinking beer and just kind of doing bachelor stuff. And so, um, basically my friend who's was giving me the weed, I uh, was kind of like, yo, do you have anything stronger? But I don't do like hard, hard drugs like cocaine or anything like that. So I was like, uh, and at that point I wasn't into LSD. So he was like, yeah, I heard some DMT that <laughs> basically he gave it to me. And it's pretty much the most potent hallucinogen known to man. It's the stuff that's in ayahuasca, except this is like, if you smoke the crystal form, it's like five minutes as opposed to like multiple hours. Um, in any event, I went home, smoked it, blasted through my crown chakra and ended up in what I think was the hall of Mott seeing like, like it felt subterranean, but it was like all this Enochian kind of writing all over the walls, like pre hieroglyphic kind of weird scrawl, almost like the Emerald tablets in a weird way. And, um, all of a sudden I saw Anubis or some masculine stern brooding, you know, like, sharp energy kind of like a bodyguard i guess you could say and i was like so you're a christian to my mind and i'm like just seeing this egyptian deity i'm like i didn't really answer at first and then it said it like look i know what you are you have to kind of answer this yourself kind of energetically didn't say this it was just kind of getting impatient energetically the, f the only thing i said the whole time was jesus is lord or some christianese like that and as soon as i said that this masculine brooding kind of no messing around energy kind of this guard you know anubis type energy disappeared and then all of a sudden there was this like shekinah feminine non-linear electric rainbow energy and it was like ding 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 that's the right answer and it came into my gut and from the bottom of my spine to the top of my spine i had my chakras open up to the point where i had like a reverse card of eden moment where i was like oh i'm gonna take off all my clothes why am i wearing clothes oh my gosh i'm full of the spirit or whatever the fuck it was the highest level of ecstasy it was like rapture straight up was beyond sex or drugs or rock and roll. And then basically I started coming down. I mean, it lasted that long. It was not very long, but it basically started coming down naked in my room at two in the morning or whatever it was. Um, just being like, God looks at me as perfect through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh my God, this is crazy. Like I, like I can't do anything. Not that I can't do anything wrong, but it's like, I'm, I'm, you know, that's why I say I'm redeemed. It's like, I understand the power of the, that transaction or whatever but that was bizarre because then i did it a week later and i talked to a mantis praying mantis being and it was like you said you're a christian you're not supposed to be here and i was like ah so i stopped doing that drug for a long time very nice stories thanks for sharing i haven't heard it so far so for me it's new um sorry to all of those who already know that but that's a clear picture from what we just said before that you invite negative beings when you do it with drugs and when you do it with meditation like you do before you you raise your consciousness and then those beings cannot reach you anymore and that's what jesus did he saved us from from those beings who are negative to us but we have not the frequency yet to be away from them so they can reach us and so that's why his name is uh is valuable for us. Shall I tell you where, where I believe that Jesus comes from? 
Yeah, I was about to say, let's start going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. I've heard he's a Syrian, I've heard all sorts of things. Mm, I cannot go into this because I have heard too much about, especially the planet, I can only tell you the system. Because there is this Sid Ridiculi from 1952 who says Jesus is a Sid Ridiculi, there are Palladians who say Jesus is a Palladian, the Arcturians say Jesus. So, too many people say that Jesus is one of them. So, that's too much information. If you have too much information, then I cannot really tell you. But when you take my beloved Asher Yanadine again, then at least I can tell you um, one thing that you you know the real. That's a little bit hard to explain on the radio. Um, everybody knows the cross. Now imagine and what I try to tell you now is a mixer of the Kabbalah and the cross as a symbol. Now imagine the Kabbalah, you know that the tree of the Kabbalah, do you the know that? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's on the basic, on the bottom it, there's a triangle. On the top there's a triangle, yeah, that's the point. On the top there's not a triangle. On the real Kabbalah there's no triangle on top, but there are th- two uh, rectangles in the middle. So now you take the two, and on each corner there is a little ball. Now imagine that one of these balls could be, I don't, I don't really know, a galaxy or, or a star system. I believe it's a star system, not a galaxy. Galaxy would be too, too big, I believe. Or probably you can make the big crosses as also as galaxy. Anyway, you have to, on the first level, let's say it's a galaxy, uh, on a, a star system. So like our solar system could be one ball. So you have 10 balls on this Kabbalah tree. And then the Asherian version, you have on top a triangle too. And she says that's essential because the Jewish, as on many occasions, are again leading, misleading us uh, in this Kabbalah tree because if you use the Kabbalah tree in a physical way, you will die because the triangle on top is missing. It's like poisoning. It's like snake, like snake poison. If too much, you take too much of it, you die. You take, you take enough of it, you heal. Um, so when you miss the triangle on top, then you will die if you use it for energetic travel. And so she says, if you put that, if you put the triangle on top, you have a symmetric shape. And on a symmetric shape, you can take the next one just on top of it. You have a triangle, you put four triangles together, you get four of these Kabbalah trees and you have a cross. You have a cross within the universe. That seems to be the natural cross. As far as I understand, this cross is the reason why all the deities we have on earth died on a cross, like Horus in the Egyptian died on a cross, had 12, it's not Jesus, it's Horus, you know. And uh, many people died on a cross, you know, deities. Uh, and more of them, were even, even more of them were virgin births, like, like, um, Midrash in Greek was a virgin birth, Tor in Germany was a virgin birth, and Horus again was a virgin birth, and of course Jesus too. So there seems to be a pattern that shows us already that those people are here to teach us. They're coming, actually they're coming from this cross. And now in the picture of Asher Yanadin, our solar system is, if you take one of these solar system crosses, we are on bottom right on bottom of this cross and you go up this Kabbalah tree and on the red on the left side of the cross there's another solar system and there yeah well I don't really know the name 
and there is the place these are they are on a higher frequency because they are already the the first balkan at the first level and so they are they are responsible and there seems to be another law of the universe where within such a cross one group is responsible for the other group so we on a low level planet are we need protection we need guidance and the people on this other side of the cross on the other galaxy end of this Kabbalah tree on the left side are responsible for us for our planet and that's where our gods come from all the deities Jesus included and the angels and whatever you want they come from this part of the galaxy which I don't really try to find if we had if we if I once find a good star map it should be actually possible to 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 define that really if Arshandin is right you could on the left side it has to be if you well where is it really north is up really north in the universe where is up and down uh, here on earth north is up but is that in the universe the same let's say north is up and and you really picked and, and the Kabbalah tree goes up direction north then you have would have to go 10 solar systems up and then you would have to go uh, I don't know three or four solar systems on the left side and then you should have the solar system where our angels come from but I don't know the name of the planets there because I'm not so familiar with astrology with astronomy which solar system is it's if you go 10 solar it must be somewhere in the galaxy maybe um, if if a Kabbalah tree is really a solar system and not a galaxy if if, if, a, if a Kabbalah tree is a galaxy then of course we have 10 galaxies up and 10, 10 galaxies on the left that's of course more far away but the connection between them is of course with stargates and stargates from one galaxy or from one star we have 12 galaxies uh, 12 sorry I mix it up we have 12 stargates on each planet so uh, it's not no problem to move from one planet to the other as far as I know and you have two galaxy stargates in each galaxy so it's even not a problem to move from one galaxy to the other so that should be the natural order within the universe where one system I, I still believe more in the one solar system version or one galaxy probably uh, takes care about the other galaxy and sends its people to the other planets and because they're on a higher frequency we cannot see them that's why we call them angels in fact they're aliens or angel is still the nicer word <laughs> I still prefer it language is a barrier at some level so whatever people were experiencing yeah. an angel just means messenger right so yeah, it's just like yeah. messengers in this, case, in this case of course yeah and Jesus is just one of them Jesus is one of them very high and he said to this virgin to this to this girl who doesn't have to be a virgin virgin is the Greek Pantanos in Hebrew it's just Alma but anyway <clears throat> virgin or not he asked the girl can you help me I need a body can you give me your body for nine months then I get a body a natural way it's actually the same thing Jesus that, that's that's freaking story actually Jesus asking Mary this is just a positive side he really asks he's the friendly one he asks and he gets permission you know but uh, when you when you see the, what Jesus is saying, the, the sin against the Holy Spirit is just the most evil one. You know, I was thinking about that, and it could be the same thing. Just you don't ask; you just take the body. Rosemary's when, Baby style. Hmm? Sorry. There's okay. a horror film called Rosemary's Baby where this lady gets, I guess, ah, impregnated okay, okay. with the devil. 
Um, ah, has been yeah, proposed. Yeah, 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 it could be. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is another possibility. Could could be also is also possible. I was referring to George W. Bush actually, because um, the moon child. <laughs> no, no, not child. But his soul was imprisoned. I heard a reptile should ta- has taken over the body. I don't know when. If this is whole his whole life or just a few years, I have no idea. But. Um, in fact, as a president, he was not acting himself. The raptor was acting as George W. Bush because his body was taken over, but not by free will, but by force. So actually, we cannot blame George W. Bush for the monster he has been, or he act like as a monster, but um, the raptor who has taken over the body which is the same thing when Jesus takes over the body which grows in in Mary's womb. Just this is free will and takes the natural time. And the other thing is by force and taking an adult, which actually has a soul, imprisons the soul and takes over the body. That could be, this is just an idea, the sin against the Holy Spirit, because you imprison the soul and take away the freedom of, of, of action. That's an interesting interpretation. I had never really thought much about this. I mean, as my theory so far, I don't know if it's like functional, but like I figured this and it goes to the Holy Spirit was the effect of like, if you've had an awareness or a revelation and you go against it, uh, you know, if you have like a spiritual experience, then you convince yourself it's not true or something like that. That's what I always thought it was. It's like, oh, no, you've had an intuitive experience, but you're going to use your monkey mind to reason your way out of it. And it's like, I figured that it's like, that's how I looked at it. But um, so I'm curious, what parts of the Bible do you think are valid versus invalid? I mean, that's a big question, but you're, you were saying like the Old Testament's helpful in certain ways, but then you were also saying the Kabbalah was like, you know, not the schematic that was proper for using that technology, like you were saying earlier, um, energetically. So what what do you think's bullshit? What do you think's helpful? What, where do you stand on like the, the veracity of the Bible? I guess. Are you planning of going to sleep today? Because no, no. If we, don't we have start to... with that, we will finish at four o'clock in the morning. Well, maybe we should have you on uh, another episode and do that specifically. So maybe just uh, tuck no, that in I, your overall, back overall, I think, uh, of course, G- it's, it's actually not really easy to say. Um, I think you can take the Bible. Uh, at all for good value if you take it for us first of all as a historical book and take it down from this from this uh, the place Korean where, status holy yeah Korean status, holy book. it's it might include holy phrases for sure because when you have the i believe that what you, let's take the two main things of the bible the ten commandments and the and matthew 5 uh, the the sermon on the mount Sermon on the Mount, yes, thank you very much. So Matthew 5 to 7, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So the, the two, these are the two big things in the Bible. If, if you if we reduce the Bible to main script, I would say these are the two the most important. Um, and of course, they are both, I would say, given with good intention, very good intention. I would still say Jesus is the better teacher, but also the Ten Commandments were given by good intention. And if the remote viewer is correct, who has seen that in our days, have you, you know, remote viewing? I've the heard remote, of it. The remote viewer took a, a view, a remote view to the story of Moses, not knowing that it is the story of Moses in this Farsad Institute. And he came up with the story that Moses 
drives with the vehicle to the Mount Sinai, uh, and Yahweh, not knowing that he's talking to it, lands with a UFO, and Moses climbs up the mountain, as we know, and the two of them meet, you know. And within this UFO, there is this our little gray friends, the bio-robots. I think we know them. Uh, and there are big grays also, but usually the, the small grays. And this one, he calls him Deep Ocean. The deep soul, deep ocean, whatever. This one figure, he cannot, he was, he made a break, said, let, let me make a break, I will go into this, this person, he is very special, and he has a vast consciousness, like a deep ocean with not much on it, but not empty, more like a deep ocean. That's how the remote viewer describes Yahweh in the Old Testament, because as we know, the, story, the Bible speaks about Yahweh, and the remote viewer speaks about a UFO, yeah? I'm only referring to Exodus chapter 3 now. Um, and of course, when you speak about the, the, the burning bush, you know, it must be just uh, that already Eric von Denigen has said. It's not really new. It's 40 years old. So that it's, it's uh, light, the electric lights from the UFO shining through the bush. Simple, you know. And that you have a burning bush, the light behind the bush from the UFO. You know, like like from a car, the car lights. You know? And of course, it shines bright. It burns and it doesn't burn. It's actually logically. It's very easy. So once you have that trigger, so you understand that as help from outside, sometimes with good intentions, then it's a historic book. So that, that's the first step. Make it an historical book, not an eternal book. Of course, the Ten Commandments are given. I think they are a translation for the eternal laws. We yeah, know or no, don't know what, what are really the, the physical laws of the universe. I'm not really sure. But so far, I found love, truth, justice, freedom for our planet. And for, as above, so below, you mentioned it before. So there are a few of these laws. You know, the law of attraction is very famous. Uh, I mean, some like, of the laws of the Ten Commandments are very, so, they're for social fabric. It's like, don't steal. Because if you just have a bunch of pirates in your neighborhood, it's going to be hard to have a normal neighborhood or whatever. And whereas some of them, like, so there's some that are like for social fabric, it seems. And then some of them have more like higher dimensional moral, like, you know, don't kill. Um, which even still falls into the, you know, respecting your mom and dad. I don't even know if we do that anymore, quite frankly. But the point is, um, I don't know. It, they've always seemed very situated uh, historically to me. Like they're very, they're very Jewish feeling. I mean, or whatever, Middle Eastern context, patriarchal kind of whatever, you know. So it's like, of course, like the Ten Commandments are going to manifest in the time space of that petri dish of culture, whereas Taoism or you know shintoism or hinduism all these other things they they might they might have similar value sets but not be articulating it the same way if that makes any sense well i'm not so good in i'm good in history in particular yes but all these ancient cultures i'm with you there's a social thing and of course it establishes a social community before the ten commandments and of course it is an improvement i would say it is an improvement within the history. Before the Ten Commandments, there were, uh, if I kill you, uh, if you kill my, my dog, I kill 20 dogs of you. It wasn't a dog. It was, I think it was a car. Revenge, you know, big. And for that reason, the Ten Commandments were an improvement. And establish a social culture, like you say. I'm with you in that regard. Um, compared to the others, it's, it's hard to say, actually. 
I would say the difference maybe is that take the Egyptian kings, they are also gods and humans. For them, we take it for, I don't know the reason why, but here we have no reason to believe that they're real god. We, we accept that they are persons and they are god in, a one, in one symbol, human and person at the same time. And they also make laws, you know. But when a new pharaoh comes, he can make a new law. And the old law is out now because he is the new king and he makes a new law. So they also have laws, but they depend on the king. With the exception of, of physical scriptures in that time, like the I Ching and, and the Tao Te King, there's not much around in these days. Maybe the Vedan in Indian in India have a similar status in Hinduism, but that's about it. There's not much more. Um this this Syrian this this um, this first this Moses the law of Moses does not depend on Moses when Moses died the law is still value. So here we have if I get that really correct I'm, I hope so uh, the law of Moses established a community which does not is not based on the king David or or Solomon cannot change the law. They are king, but they have no right to treat the law is above them. That well, that's the whole point of Judaism in the sense that they yeah, feel they've yeah. had the law revealed, the Torah, the law is revealed to them. That's they're the keepers of the law. That's it's it. like, yo, we got the hack. We got the, the big hack, and you guys are all running around changing laws according to the to fads or, you know. If Nero is king, this is cool. If whereas if you know President Bush is king, this is cool. Like those laws change, but I guess they were kind of alluding to the fact, and that's why they feel elected or whatever. Where they're like, we got a download that is supersedes human law. Now imagine that you are a higher a higher consciousness from another planet, and you want to establish what you find is a good basic for the whole planet. You want to establish, you, you imagine that those people are not on the level yet. I'm taking the alien point of view now. Uh, those people are not ready yet to understand laws of physics, law of love, and universal laws. Let's give them, they need simple rules. They need simple things they need they to have a culture follow. that actually evolves to the point where they actually, can figure out that shit. <laughs> yes, but this culture should also stay when you go. Let's say you are time traveler, space traveler, whatever, you are there with your spaceship and you want them to last even when you go. So that means you have to make a law that even value when you are gone. I mean, everybody is God in those days, you know. The pharaohs are God, the Hindu gods. Of course, you first thing is you appear as a god. That's, of course, kind of logical, even in the sense. And then you say, keep that law even when I'm gone. The law is above you. It is a holy law. Well, there you got it. Then you have the Bible. In fact, it's just it was just the idea of somebody to say, okay, they need simpler rules. And if I'm, not, it could be that this was the Galactic Federation. This is one of the versions you hear. The Galactic Federations always asks. Um, I think it it was a part of a kind of a gray group, not the real gray. I think in this version, it's the Satoridically group. Uh, they are asked by the Galactic Federation from time to time to assist um, 
lower consciousness planets by their by the raising of their consciousness. And therefore, they install at least on Earth the holy book. So that's how the Bible came into being. Moses being a collector and having the old scriptures, which we know as Genesis, Genesis, which was before his time, but he collected them the the eleven um, the eleven tablets as the Genesis may consist of 11 tablets. There was Protestant, actually, this is Protestant research, quite a good one. Um, and Moses collected them and uh, became the first historian, you know, and said, here we have a law, being himself, this is why I value the, 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 uh, the remote viewers so much, because in the remote viewing session, Moses drives a vehicle, take a car, take a UFO, whatever you want, but he is in, he, he knows, he is, he is part of the, he is part of this secrecy, he knows it, he does not go by feed with his sheep, like we say in all the movies, no, he drives a vehicle, so he knows, he may be also from another planet, in the remote viewing session, he is the only non-scared subject when the UFO lands, all the other scared, all the other subjects, the Israelites, are very scared, he is not, as the remote viewer says it. Uh, so he knows. He knows who's coming. He is involved. He is probably sent, like Jesus is sent later. You know? He's one of these teachers where we have lots of. Lots of. It's a cosmic inside job, and he was. In yeah, it. that's it. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. He's fulfilling his cosmic inside job. That's it. And so, of course, this part of the Bible is at least valuable. I wouldn't say it's. I don't think, I'm not sure if we really need that right now anymore. Uh, it's well, having like, those Ten Commandments and Christianity got us to a place where we could have science, it seems, or have globalization. I mean, most of the modern world is based off of Judeo-Christianity as being like, you have a right to exist, and you have a right to, you know, the whole American thing. I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened otherwise, but it seems that's the model through which, you know, uh, and it's tricky because you know there's crusades and shit like Christianity isn't all great mm. but it set up the idea initially that like truth could be known it's not all relative I mean the east was like it's all a dream you can't know anything so they didn't really go that far in a, a similar way there was a bifurcation it seems between the east and the west at one point and um, like way a long time ago and monotheistic kind of cultures seem to be like we, this is a knowable universe so we'll do the endeavor of science, ultimately. Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad in and of itself, but we wouldn't have Hadron Colliders or Elon Musk or stock markets or, or Okie Talk or whatever if certain people hadn't done certain things, I don't think. And these are, you know what I mean? It's like a, a chain of events going back to essentially the ethics of the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount. May I take the point what you said? It's not all relative. There's an objective thing. Uh May I? I say it's both, and that's I think the higher level which we can reach now, which we could not not reach Correct. when we have only the Ten Commandments. Even Jesus already said, "I tell you, you you have been told this. I tell you this," and he also corrected a little bit. It's an updated version. <laughs> yeah, it's an up. I, I would also say it's an update. I say it's even a correction, even if if the Bible says it's a fulfillment. I call it a correction, but anyway, the Bible says a fulfillment. May it as it be, uh, but. When we have the, 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 the laws of the universe and we understand it as physics, we understand a little bit like the Taoism says in China, 
uh, that um, when you want to be a bird, you need to learn to fly. That's a subject. The subject, the bird as a subject, needs to learn to fly. This is not objective. If you learn how to fly, this is your thing. Nobody can can take this away from you. This is subjective. And this is a subjective point of truth, which is also, which we need to include. Everything is subjective. It's not a real, it's not an objective truth. You need to, to, to look at the situation, to look at what's happening, you know. There's an objective in, in the Taoism picture of the bird. It's you can fly. Every bird can fly. That's objective truth. The, the, the Taoism has the bird rock. I, I'm, I'm referring to the bird rock in the Taoism now. It's in the, in the south, in the book of the south, Südliche Blütenland. God knows. Südliches, um, south country of the flowers. I don't know if that's a real word. I, it's not Tao Te King. It's the, very, it's the only big book in the Taoism. You have the Tao Te King, you have a few other books, and you have this South book, South, South Flower book, or whatever you call it in English. Uh, anyway, there is a translation in English, I'm sure. And there is the picture, one of the thousands of pictures is the book, is the picture of the bird, rock. And you have, you have to learn to fly subjectively, and the objective truth is you can fly. Okay. I think that's, that's a very ancient uh, Chinese tradition where we can learn the subjective and objective truth, which we now uh, discovering on a very scientific level in quantum physics, where you have the double slit experiment, where you have uh, subjective, you, you, you watch the double slit experiment and it changes waves into, into particles. When you stop watching, the wave continues to be a wave. The subjective even changes the physics. And there we again with Jesus, when Jesus heals the, heals the blind on Shiloh, for example, or whatever, you have many healings in Jesus' stories. That's, of course, a wonderful picture of subjective truth, which is already transformed in Jesus' level into subjective action. For Jesus, law is not something to obey. Uh, for him, the laws of nature are something to work with he has understood the laws in a level that he could work with that and when he says you will do greater things than i do i believe that we all are and that's also what uh, that's still a little bit charismatic movement <laughs> uh, we all are able to do that i have i have helped heal people i've been watching uh, blind and land people I, I didn't do that but uh, I've seen blind people seeing again, and I've seen... Uh, You've seen some miracles. You've seen yes, some magic. Yes, That's charismatic movement, what, what makes it famous. And you probably know the Azusa story that's very famous. That was an American story in the Azusa Street, 1914, I think, where an arm has been... In his first, first World War, somebody lost his arm, and this man went to the... This soldier went to the Azusa Street community, and they prayed for him, and the arm grew back within 10 seconds. And he had his arm again. It was amputated before. Because of that, the Azusa Street was very well known, very famous within, I think, hours. I mean, there was no internet, but that news spread around the world quite fast. And that was the beginning of the modern charismatic movement in America, actually. 
Azusa Street. You can Google Azusa Street. I'm quite sure you'll find something. Um, and the charismatic movement is actually the rediscovering of the miracles of Jesus and that we are able to do that. You know, and actually Jesus never... I never know any story where he, he let the leg grow or something like that. He healed the people, but he never... We already did greater things, you know? But we have to be aware that it is possible. Jesus here is a picture, you know? A teacher, of course. But we can follow this and we can even be better, you know? And uh, I include the Rose Line story. In the Rose Line where Jesus had... This is, of course, not Bible, but in the Apocryphs, Apocryph stories, I, I value the Apocryphs very much, where he married Mary Magdalene and had children with her. So does not mean you have to live in a celibate. Uh, I don't believe that. Um, I believe Mary Magdalene was his wife. And, they had, and mo probably it's even true, if the rose line goes on to France, that the Merovinger, what's that in English, Merovinger kings? The Merovingians. Merovingians, thank you, may be the descendants of Jesus the last and when they die the line of jesus also dies maybe they're still alive somebody uh, but that's already a good movie from dan brown you know the da vinci code you can watch it and, and, and you have the same story um gotta have an albino priest as a bad guy I'm pretty i think i've seen the first one there's a few movies of those i'm not sure yeah yeah dan um, brown well, I don't know. There's a lot I want to pick your brain on, um, but I know that if we go down too many rabbit holes, we'll just be here all night. So I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, That's okay. I do want to get you back on at some point and talk about a few things, like maybe specifically like what I had asked earlier, like about parts of the Bible you think are very valid um, versus parts that you think are totally fabricated, why you might think that. I'm sure Raphael you know, has interesting thoughts on that. Or we could talk about aliens or any number of things. But I guess, um, are there, Raphael, is there anything you wanted to talk about or ask? I think we're good for now. And next time uh, we'll have even more of a vector in terms of what to hone in on. Okay. As you like. That good, Jim? Well, Roland, I'm curious if there's any parting thoughts. I do appreciate you coming on here. You're an interesting character in this movie called Life, and I don't think there are any accidents, so I'm sure um, I'll glean quite a bit from you. Uh, I mean, I'm a curious person, but I'm also kind of aware of theology and Christianity and stuff, so this will be fun. But um, is there any kind of parting thoughts uh, from your end of this episode? Um not really. I was actually curious to meet you uh, and to talk to you, and it's fun. Uh, we can go on with that for hours, I think. Um, yeah, if you want, we can continue that anytime, if I have time. It's no problem. can go on. It's 10 o'clock. We make already two hours, so... Time time flies, whether you're in a time machine or not, uh, it seems. So I do Apparently. appreciate you coming on. Um, like I said, it's always fun to talk to people who have um, tried to learn about the world, but also question it simultaneously. So getting the rules, but then trying to play jazz. So it sounds like you're kind of doing theological jazz, which I like. Um, and I, yeah, thanks, Raphael, for bringing him on. We'll have to get him on for sure again. And, uh, you know, sooner than later, like not like a year, like in the next month or so. So We'll figure that out. Thanks again, Roland, for coming on, and I hope you have a good evening. You too, Jim. It was nice talking to you. See you next time. Thank you, Roland. Uh, thank you, Jim. 
Thank you all for listening as always. And yeah, keep exploring yourself, know thyself, and uh, enjoy the ride. Radio Okie Talk, Radio Okie Talk.